The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fretz. Welcome to episode 53 of Fretzelmania. Extremely galactic, game-changing wrestling. I am joined by Nate the Effin' Great from the Game Changer podcast, and we talk about Monday Night Raw from February 24th, 1997, the original ECW Invasion. Enjoy it, folks. This was a hoot. Recording in progress. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, my name is Mr. Fretz, and I am the advocate, the special counsel for my special guest today on this 53rd episode of the Fretzelmania podcast, and that is the reigning, defending, undisputed TWS Galactic Champion, my good friend, my good brother, the former Game Changer podcast co-host, the shoe is on the other foot now, Nate, the effing great. Nate, buddy, how are you? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, it's um, I, I was hoping to get the three-minute warning good uh, version on there, but nope, that was the long version. Never mind. So, Thunder lost. But yes, it is I, it is I the reign defending galactic champion of the wrestling show, and Matt Jones' worst nightmare. Man, it's been so long since I've done a podcast with you, Fretz, and geez Louise, this has been a long time coming. And hey, at least we're talking about something good. So, God, so many, th- so many things are happening. So many things are just absolutely great. And I definitely do miss everybody else at the Wrestle Attic Radio family. Uh, did talk to Ricky a while back, so we'll kind of see where that goes. But I'm not going to be planting seeds saying that anything's going to happen. But Ricky and I talked, and you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, you're, ta- you're talking to the godfather of the Wrestle Attic Radio, you capiche? I don't know. You know, certain things may happen. I'm just saying. All right. We shall see about that. Things have been good on. On my end, of course, I just finished the Invasion Angle. I thought about doing the last Raw in November, but I looked ahead and I looked at it. I'm like, okay, this doesn't look that good. And I remembered that there was another Invasion. This is dating back to 1997. And that, of course, is February 24th of that year. And yours truly was just about to turn 13 years old. So you can see where life was at that point. Nate, what were you doing in 1997? 1997, I would have been seven years old. And I think I would have been in either first or second grade. I want to say someone there. I was still, I was still a wee lad during that time. <laughs> and you weren't watching the product at this point in time. Cause I think we said that you came in around, Oh, was it? Oh, four or five. Around, around that time, correct. Ah, okay. I, I was watching at this point in time, but it was kind of like sneaking watching behind my parents' back because it was past my bedtime, or I would try and videotape it and all that. But it was, uh, 
interesting show. We have an ECW invasion from Monday Night Raw. Uh, just before we get into the rigors of this whole thing, what did you think of this? Honestly, thinking back to what times were like back in 1997, of all things. I mean, we all know what happens near the end of this year. But thinking about, you know, the impact that this had for, you know, ECW to come in and invade Monday Night Raw, almost in a way to combat, you know, WCW, because they were starting to really pick up some steam during this time. But also ECW had a pay-per-view coming so this was their best way to get that national exposure, which I will credit this. I do have my opinions about Vince McMahon. This is one time where I'm like, he did the right job. He did something nice for our company. What a shock. Yeah, he, he was good at doing that at this point because uh, I don't know if you know this, but you know Jerry Lawler's promotion, the USWA? Yes. In around this time or maybe just before, I'm thinking this was in the new generation era, Vince McMahon was actually a heel kind of authority-ish figure on USWA Memphis TV. And we saw like little elements of the Mr. McMahon character we would see actually later this year. One would argue that we're starting to see at this point in time, just little bits and bops of attitude, if you will. That is true because I think around this time, they were still not quite doing you know full-fledged attitude they were still into like some of the characters which trust me we're going to talk a lot about those in this show oh my gosh so many things where i'm just like wow i forgot that they did that and we still had your professions we still had your your professional um i don't know what you'd call headbangers but maybe like professional metalheads your your hog farmers and your new blackjacks but before we get into there Nate, there's a segment that uh, you're familiar with, and whenever we, you and I like to talk about retro stuff, I take a trip in the Wayback Machine and talk about what's been going on in the pop culture side of things in February 1997. Do you want to take a stab at what the number one song was at that point? Um, well, this is before music decided to go into a weird direction so 97 uh man that's a good question i'm trying to think of like what was probably even like a good song during that time because my parents love to play the radio so i'm trying to think like what were some of the good songs that were playing during that time and i'm drawing a blank so i don't even have a guess for this well there are some females on this show who kind of were the I'm going to be blunt here, the advent of my puberty. <laughs> and this happens to be during Spice Girls Mania. Ooh. Wannabe is the number one song, at least in North America, maybe even in Canada, because you know, Nickelback was a thing at this point in time. They did come out around 96, 97, but they weren't popular yet. So Wannabe by Spice Girls is the number one song. And in video games, everyone is playing Mario Kart 64. Hey. You know, the first 63 games are so groundbreaking that they made a 64th, and I was playing it on my Switch here a little while ago. Uh, in movies, we have some interesting ones. I don't know if you've heard of Donnie Brasco. Does that ring a bell? Kind of does, weirdly enough. A movie I watched 
constantly in high school because I had the same geography teacher, I think twice. And I always like to hang out in her classroom. Shout out to Miss Ford. Uh, Dante's Peak with uh, Pierce Brosnan. It's a like a national natural disaster movie. It's about a volcano. So that's that. Uh, national Lampoon's Vegas Vacation and a movie that is just so weirdly titled, so stupid that uh, Stoned Gremlin on YouTube just shreds it to pieces that darn cat no the re the remake oh. it's a remake oh no i forgot about that oh. that's such a great original and then they have robot playing this i'm gonna strangle you dc it's like good lord no Oh man, that makes me sad now. What was that? Small wonder? Holy crap. Shout out to anyone who actually got that reference. Ooh, I'm old. <laughs> so kicking off this show was the OG Monday Night Raw theme. That new one that's in the video games. Friggin' love it. Almost as much as I love Thorn in Your Eye or the one that was after that by um, Union Underground. Move to the music. Play that fucking music. Across that's, the nation. Yeah. Across the nation. That's the... The ruthless one. What's up? Uh, what's up, Levi? Shout out to the ruthless guys and the UK variant, Michael oh. and uh, Big Sexy. I was gonna. I was gonna say. I don't know if you heard this or not, but they actually just finished recording uh, Great American Bash 04. so we can definitely be on the lookout for one of their their shows in the near future, which I'm looking forward to. I broke halfway through their Bad Blood one, especially yeah. when they talked about Eugene versus Coach, but that's for another time. We're talking about Monday Night Raw 97. Well, oh. speaking of the Ruthless Lads, uh, summer you know where SummerSlam 04 took place? Do you remember? Toronto, Canada. And uh, who's from the Toronto area? I was about, I was about to say uh, Edge, Christian, you. Uh, Bobby Roode, Eric Young. Oh, that's true. <laughs> There's a long list of great people from Toronto. So Jason Sensation. Actually, wait, no, he's kind of. I love that. I met that guy. I love him, but he's kind of weird. I'll tell you. Tell you later. <laughs> you, 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 you might hear. You, you might hear a, a Canadian segment. Uh, we 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 were talking. Uh, well, <laughs> I might have let the cat out of the bag there, but we're going to see what's going to go on here towards SummerSlam. So, who's not going to SummerSlam uh, of 04? is the Godwins and the new Blackjacks. Oh man, don't you just love when they take an existing existing tag team, slap the word new on it, and you make it better. The new Midnight Express, the new Rockers, the new Rock and Sock Connection, the new Blackjacks. Of course, that is Barry Windham and don't call me JBL Bradshaw. Oh man, this was really weird. You're right. It's just weird that they just put the word new in front of it to make it seem like it's their own. It's like, you know, a Pepsi company saying like, we have a new Pepsi. We have the new Coke. We have the new soda or just somebody in WWE. It's like the new gimmick. It's like, we're not impressed. Just because you said the word new on there doesn't mean that it's going to be impressive. Yeah, but we had here uh, a K. Murphy classic. We had this uh, meat-slapping majesty. Big four dudes just slapping big hogs of meat here. 
Henry L. Godwin, Mark Canterbury, this guy was a underrated worker, at least I think at this point in time. Uh, wasn't even too long after this that Hawk and Animal, who we would see later in this show, spoiler alert, uh, dropped him right on his noggin and he kind of still went up and kept trying to wrestle because he's massive. Uh, but this match here was just a total nothing. Eventually, the Blackjacks won. I, I think... Barry Windham hit the lariat here. So instead of the clothesline from hell, this is the clothesline from Sweetwater. There was a bit here. I think one of the Godwin's foot was on the ropes for the finish. It was kind of dusty. It was kind of out there, but the refs just like sought it. I didn't see anything. This is like Survivor Series 2021 booking here. But yeah, this was a, you know, not a bad match, but you know what this match needed? It needed more Kronos. Because <laughs> after this match, some poor stagehand, probably a plants or a developmental talent or something, just got <clears throat> excuse me, Joey Styles. Total elimination. I was not gonna scream that because my mic is right here, and I don't want to damage the hearing of of our friends, but the eliminators, <laughs> a young Perry Saturn and the late great John Kronos come out and Paul Heyman basically says to Jerry Lawler, who has been feuding with ECW because he would appear on their program and say things like, you know, this arena should be made of toilet paper because all I see is shit and all these kind of things. So ECW is in the house. And what does King call ECW, Nathan? Extremely crappy wrestling, which hey goes to show that you know after their big pay-per-view that you stole one of their guys you know mr monday night <laughs> good old rvd yeah he's he's in my timeline and whew, once i get to the ruthless era holy crap yeah king has this hatred for ecw but at the same time vince mcmahon was working on a bit of a talent exchange because we would see people like Scott Putsky, I believe, uh, Darren Drozdov, a.k.a. Puke. He's gonna puke! Draws. Uh, RVD would occasionally appear on, on WWE TV. And they had some other, like, developmental guys. Like, I think even Brockus, if that's a name that sounds familiar to you, came Brockus. through the... Yeah, Brockus, who had, like, one match against Jeff Jarrett and was never seen again, and he tapped out to the figure four. So that just shows you what they thought about Brockus, but there was a talent exchange and even Too Cold Scorpio who became Flash Funk. Can, can you imagine if Vince McMahon had a Brock Lesnar and he just was like, we're going to make you a, a Viking. We're going to call you Brockus Lesnar. Like, oh God, Vince. No, just, just no. That, I actually, as, it was Michael Hayes that <laughs> recommended that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but that's not as bad as Jim Hurd, who took over WCW in the early 90s, telling Ric Flair that he's Spartacus. I am Spartacus. And he said, uh, sod off. I'm going to go to the WWF and be the real world's champion and hold up a tag team title. <laughs> hey, it could also be worse. It could be uh, Rick Steiner's kid going by Braun Breaker. Why, why not just Bone Breaker? That would have been a cooler. But also you could have done, you know, Rick Steiner's kid. No, no, it's got to be Braun Breaker. What, what, what is he breaking? Braun. Breaking Braun Strowman? Really? Didn't you just fire this guy not too long ago? Did I? 
Vince, go home. Control the control Sorry, the topic. <laughs> Vince, control the narrative. And I got I got a side break there quickly. I I have been dabbling into watching only like recaps of new NXT because it's worse than Raw. And uh, Tommaso Ciampa, who is the current champion of the new era of NXT, said to Braun said to Braun Breaker that you only have a thirty three and one third chance of winning this title. Spider Math. <laughs> oh, I love me. Some Steiner math. Petey Williams, by the way, is now a producer in WWE. So there's, there's, there's See, a good... had, had Tommaso Ciampa had like a board where he did like the Scott Steiner deal, where he just, where he just goes to like all the the entirety of you know, say like, well, usually he had like a your know, fifty chance, but you're facing me, so it's only sixty five percent chance or some random deal. Oh my gosh! If he would have just like taken that Scott Steiner promo and twisted it into his own. I would be like, Tommaso Ciampa, he's a psycho killer, and he's also the best promo on the game right now. Try to top that, Scott Steiner. I got no problem doing that. <laughs> uh, shout out to Scott Steiner. He's had a rough year himself. Uh, I, think he almost, I think he almost died or something. He was he was doing pretty rough. But, yeah, shout out to Scott. And too bad Tommaso Ciampa didn't bring out the blackboard from Goodwill Hunting, if you know, you know. Next up here, oh, boy. We have Little Guido versus Big Stevie Cool of the Blue World Order, who are the cover, not the, I don't want to say cover athletes because this video game isn't a physical release, but are you familiar with Retromania Wrestling on the Switch? Oh gosh, I think I've heard of it. So. It, it's the spiritual successor to the, uh, was it the Wrestlemania Challenge arcade game? Pretty fun. The BWO is in it. So is Nick Aldis. Oh yeah, that's right. I will, I will say this: one of the things that's really funny about um, the whole BWO deal is the fact that yes, they are parodying the NWO with three words: "We're taking over." But I actually did forget that little Guido, aka the future Nunzio, was a part of this too. <laughs> like, oh shit, that's right. The future cruiserweight champion is a part of ECW. Nice. And also, one thing I didn't know is I believe that Nova Future plays one of the favorite fitness gurus of one Simon Dean, if I'm not mistaken. That oh, is God. right. Yes. God, that's that dude douche on a Segway. <laughs> Chimpanzee riding on a Segway. Yeah, that's that's a YouTube rapper. To, to I'm glad that you got that. I love that you got that. Oh my God. Now I'm just imagining. Nova on a segue right now, just being like, let me tell you something, dude. I'm going one mile an hour. <laughs> you know, we need a Photoshop guy like uh, Tom Campbell has on uh, the Cultaholic Raw and SmackDown reviews. Whenever we have this flight of fancy, he just goes, John, like, ah, we need a Photoshop guy. <laughs> hey, shout out. Uh, <laughs> Russell Attic, ra- patreon.com slash, slash Russell Attic Radio. You want to get in on this. So, uh, <laughs> Blue Meanie here. Uh, does his scott hall slash uh scarface parody you know say hello to the blue guy and then eiffel 65 thought we can sing a song about that color two years later i am blue dabba dee dabba die dominates the <laughs> airwaves so we have blue media just singing that would be just so hilarious say hello to the blue dabba dee dabba dad <laughs> I'm willing to bet that's actually his entrance music on the indie circuit. If uh, if the Blue Meanie ever gets uh, 
booked for a ACW show, uh, let me know. So we have Hollywood Nova, 7-Eleven, who I think is like one of the producers dressed up as Six-Pac, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, with like just a big fro 90s one two three kid mullet thing with the video camera and then there of course there was ghost. if we could if we could pause just for a minute because since you're talking about six six pack um i actually watched a promo of him as the one two three kid where he was just about to challenge bret hart for the title yes and yes. jerry jerry lawler interviewed him and it was so funny because i watched this promo with him at first, she's you kind of do like the generic, be like, I'm gonna do everything I can, can, can I'm not gonna cheat to win. And Jerry Lawler's like, Just promise me, promise me that you're gonna just beat down Bret Hart. And then he's like, Well, if I win the title, as soon as he said that, I was like, Nope, you just lost all credibility with me, man. Um, I checked out. He kept saying, like, if and maybe. I'm just like, No, dude, where's your confidence? What are you doing? This is wrestling 101. You don't say those words. You have to be like, yes, I am going to win the title. Yes, I am going to do this. But I guess he's supposed to play this random kid being like, oh, well, if I can do this, I will be amazing. Maybe I'll win the championship. Maybe I'll get some ice cream afterwards. Just one to three kid. That's one too many scoops for you, man. We're going, we're going back to just one for you. Yeah. No, no more blue moon ice cream for you, kid. Just <laughs> nice. Yeah, I YouTuber from Wisconsin. I I forget his name, but he's a he's a gamer guy. Anyways, here we have uh, BWO was called a revolutionary concept. Then this match, of course, like classic ECW, breaks out into a schmoz here, and we see the former Scotty Flamingo and former Quebecers manager Johnny Polo now portraying Raven, and Paul Heyman says here. I think it's Paul Heyman here that says that he is the David Koresh of wrestling. If you are called the David Koresh of anything, that's a red flag. I mean, there's another reason why there's a red flag for him in wrestling, but we're not going to talk about that instant. No, 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 no. Um, oh, oh, boy. No, speak, but then after speaking of red flags, though, gold dust. Th this was one of the things I did have an issue with, is that they're having this split screen deal like i know they do the picture in picture deal with like the commercials that's one thing but for them to like do an interview during the match i feel like that just takes away from the people that are in the ring and being like oh you're boring let's see what's going on here oh we're gonna have this guy dressed in gold talk about his uh talk about his wife who's gonna be doing a special matchup in just a little bit which trust me we're going to talk about it because oh dear lord <laughs> um yeah, i just i just did not like that i, I don't know what are, what are your thoughts on the whole you know doing interviews during the matchup well you were showcasing the promotion that you are kayfabe having invade so that that was the issue with it like i don't care like i watch like AEW, uh dark and dark elevation and they'll have well they don't have picture in picture because it's on youtube it's actually on youtube as we speak but yeah whenever i get to watch dynamite it's just you got a match with there, but you could have had this during like, I don't know, Godwins and Blackjacks because this is during a WWE match. This is a WWE storyline. The two guys that are in the ring are ECW athletes. Yeah, I, I, I could see why one would give out about that. Uh, he called China it, um, and I'm not talking about the cousin it from the Adams family. I'm talking, well, you know, there is a really nice bit here where there's a rocker dropper and a 
jackknife because get it big stevie cool is big daddy cool diesel <gasps> he ripped off diesel what a, <laughs> what a concept and vince mcmahon throughout this whole night kept plugging plugging la femme nikita and i remember that show it was nothing but this isn't as bad or should i say good as either i think it was earlier raws because i'm listening to 1995 on cultaholics classic review where he plugs Duckman. what's Duckman? it's George Costanza voicing a cartoon duck. Google it. You'll be entertained. Trust me. We see the Steven, we see the future right to censor leader, nail the Steven kick, and this match is done and dusted. And speaking of dust, we have Sonny. Oh boy. <laughs> Let me just uh, loosen my pants here. And I was about to say, I was about to say, back in the day, there was no dust. Nowadays it's kind of like. Ah, I'm just kind of scared to see where that dust has been. Roast beef sandwich. I mean, anyways. Um, <laughs> so oh, there's going to be a lot of comments during this. I could tell. This is this is where the show is just going to go completely off the handle when we talk about Sonny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because back in this time, Sonny was, uh, in the words of Billy Madison, no, no, Chris Farley, the bus driver in Billy Madison, Sonny was one piece of ace. I know from experience, dude. No, 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 you don't. Well, it's a guy I know. You know, him and her got it on. Anyways, enough Chris Farley. because I. <laughs> Sonny says that she's going to come at you hard. And that popped the crowd and probably popped somebody's pants. I guarantee there's probably a 16-year-old boy that probably popped really hard for that. 12-year-old um, boy did at this point in time. Hey, So I do want to say that one I do have in my notes here, I have foot action with a question mark because i think it was one of the sponsors for the show to which i'm like what what, what is this is this like is this a like a what, what what is this what is this thing watch <laughs> you buy foot action what 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 is this i don't Just remember like a, that i think that's, that's could be foot locker but i think was that a canadian chain yeah but anyways here we have the honky tonk man here was a referee because nothing says Two girls arm wrestling, then Elvis fucking Presley. Is, and it's he, got his, he got paid for this at least. So, oh yeah, he he got paid all right. But so you have Sonny versus Marlena for some reason in an arm wrestling match. <laughs> okay, so pause here because one of the things that's really crazy is that when Sonny comes out. She's kind of singing her theme song, which I'm like, you're not Sherry Martell. I'm sorry. You're not that good. Secondly, she's doing this random like Rick Rude impersonation here where she's talking about like all the women want to be me and all the guys want to see me or something like that. And even doing the Rick Rude like need you trailer park trash to shut your mouths and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> I even made this comment on here. I said, Scarlet Bordeaux's teases were much better than Sonny's. I'm sorry, but but Scarlet Bordeaux, you get you get the A. Sonny was kind of like a C plus, and that's that's saying something coming from me. Yeah, here she does the like, are you fat, out of shape? You know, Atlantic City sweat hogs, or I think she even I think I swear to God she actually said sweat hogs, and that just made me chuckle because Rick Rude would be in the company of. I'm not too far from now, actually, with the Generation X. Uh, Sonny, how dare you? This is no not November. This is not fair. Um, I, think she, I think she also even tried to do the 
the New York accent. New Yorkers. I'm like, Sonny, no, you're you're not that good at acting either. Please just do what you came to do and please let the suffering end. It's it's like you're it's like, it's like she was making fun of the New York accent and uh, 90% of Russell Attic Radio is based in New York, so I'm not going to attempt that <laughs> and attempt to offend our good friends, although coffee, it's pronounced coffee. And that's enough about that. And they said, there's someone here, I think it had to be Paul Heyman said that Sonny was working 42nd Street before this match. <laughs> and Sonny, yeah. Sonny has the option of forfeit. And I, uh, I, I don't know. Then there was like this bit here where Honky Tonk Man is getting thirsty. And it's like, get a good grip, woman. Like, phrasing. So- so so let's also put put this into perspective. So Marlena is actually coming in with like a, a bruised up rib deal because China actually came from behind and did like a waist lock deal, reverse bear hug kind of deal. So that's where this kind of all came about. But we're also getting introduced to China early on. So it's like, okay, cool. We're seeing something different here. Um, actually, I didn't even realize that China was even, you know, debuting in 97. I thought she didn't debut until maybe later on. But I also have to remember she was a part of, was a part of, uh, what was it? Oh, hell in the cell. I think she was, she was like at ringside or something for that, but it was really weird. So yeah. So basically, like you said, Sonny had the option to get a for- win by forfeit and Marlena is just like, hell no, bitch, I'm ready to go. Okay. She didn't really exactly say it like that, but you guys get what I'm saying. And I will say this for a woman, her size, Marlena definitely held her own against Sonny. That was something I was like, Ooh, nice. Yeah, she's, she's, she's small, but mighty. Yeah, she'd been in the business for a while at this point in time because she ha- was in WCW and had the the York Foundation. I think I think Steve Austin Steve Austin was part. And someone's going to correct me on this one, but there was like her stable of of people. It was a very head of its time. But then Ken Shamrock is shown in the crowd for some reason, and Sunny wins with Coke to the eyes. I mean, the classic <laughs> Mister Fuji salt to the eyes. <laughs> Well, now, now, friends, we cannot verify that it was Coke. Maybe it was salt. Maybe it was flour. Maybe it was just some random thing that just comes out of Sonny's butt every now and then. It's just some random poof. Because, you know, she likes to blow smoke out of her ass, so why not? Well, she did Well, she did fart in her movie, but anyways. Oh, God. And I will say that this leads to a really weird transition where we get Savio Vega and Goldust breaking up the two, and then randomly it's just like, hey, they got a match now. Okay then. <laughs> yeah, they, they, it was actually scheduled, and I, I got a sideberg here. Uh, Savio and Goldust was a match that was actually supposed to happen at the house show I went to later that year, three days after the Montreal Screw Job. But Goldust was starting his um, run with Luna at that point in time, being the artist formerly known and getting really, really weird, dressing up like his dad and like a giant baby. And so he's like, I was supposed to have a match and I punched my hand through a wall and broke it to get out of it. I just yelled like, what? <laughs> I swear he like, he like, he like looked around and I'm like, did he just ignore? Anyways, <laughs> enough about 13 year old me marking out. For some reason, future for Requa member, Miguel Perez comes on commentary. Yeah, that was weird too. Just out of nowhere. Now, what's your favorite Miguel Perez match? <laughs> um, pro- probably the one where it lasted as long as a Goldberg match, where it was quick and painless. 
So getting squashed by CF former CFL player Glenn Kalka. That is the right answer. <laughs> so we have here uh, Savio Vega kind of like goes after Marlena, and then the TV kind of goes off for a minute. He's like, "Okay, was there going to be a spot here where she was going to get assaulted or something?" But it could have been just 1997 cameras because throughout this whole show as well, we were plugging. Next week in Berlin, Germany, the European title tournament. Davy Boy versus Owen for the inaugural European Championship. And Nathaniel, this match. Mwah, chef's kiss. But the cameras look like it was filmed on like 110p. Yeah, I think I've seen that matchup in the past. And you're right. It's a damn good matchup. And I will say this. When they talk about the European title, I was like, I just had a big old smile on my face. It's like, yay, there's good things happening in wrestling. And then it goes, comes back from commercial. It's like, oh, yeah, this match, this is a thing. I forgot. We have a matchup right now. <laughs> yeah, and then Crush gets involved here. And uh, Pile drives gold dust on the floor just casually, you know, because the Pile Driver is about as effective as the DDT these days. But there's a big surprise here by, I think it's by Vince McMahon here, and we're going to see what it is in just a point in time. And there's a sign in the crowd that got blurred out. And it was Lawler Fears blank. And I shudder to think what that is, because, well, not too long before 1997, uh, I guess we all know that Jerry Lawler had certain allegations against him, and or it could be something else, or just maybe something homophobic transphobic something that doesn't belong like that kind of shit doesn't belong in wrestling and tv anyways so if it was horribly offensive like that good so but knowing all CWs, cookies <laughs> all their fears cookies oh yeah that sounds about right and then uh herbie's cookies <laughs> which ones herbie's cookies ah i don't know what those are but <laughs> sunny <laughs> sunny is nuzzling crush on the outside just you know, warm, warming up to him, literally. And uh, they brought up Farouk. There was like, oh, Sonny brought Farouk to the WWE, which made me shudder because that was Farouk Assad in the friggin' gladiator helmet. So Goldust here uh, kisses Quang. I mean, Savio Vega here because, oh, get it? He's supposed to be androgynous and we're supposed to, uh, yeah, just that that homophobic shit just does, doesn't do, do it for me anymore anymore just awful awful shit there's a disqualification because it's the attitude era or just before no no, it's the non-attitude era (laughs) at this point just like hey we got this matchup here and it's gonna end this way oh that don't get me started on uwf's career because herbie cookies are herb abram's cookies when there was a thing so that's why I was like, God, if that would, have, that would have been funny if that was a thing. Herbie from Jerry Lawler fears Herbie cookies. That would have been an amazing sign. Uh, Herb would have been dead for two years at this point. Because, well, if you've seen that dark side of the ring, well, if you know, you know, like, holy, holy crap. So Miguel Perez is in and out of the ring here to stand up to, to the nation. And this is kind of foreshadowing because we would see Miguel Perez not long from now as a member of Los Barriquas. And next week here, it says next week, European title. And there's this singer slash actor slash, I don't know what he was, but there was a bit here from 1993 for some reason. It's Tiny Tim. No, not that one. 
or that one or that one or that one but it's a singer and then jerry lawler's making fun of him and then all of a sudden jerry the king lawler is talking to ultimate fighting champion ken shamrock my favorite segment of this entire show take it (laughs) this was gold Oh my God. So Jerry Lawler is literally just going up to Ken Shamrock, just saying, just saying, Hey, J- Hey, Ken. Woo. Just wanted to say, Hey, it's great to have you here. Tell him about all those submission moves. I showed you. Woo. Ken Shamrock's just like, what? But you know, all the submission maneuvers I showed you. Woo. Ken's like, who the hell are you? Just literally just ghosting him in real life. It's like, I don't know who you are, but you need to go girl girl bye felicia that's literally what ken shamrock was like it's like bye felicia what but what about the submissions Woo! it's like sorry i i don't i don't i don't you know just go just go i don't play with pedophiles allegedly allegedly he calls him a liar sorry Sorry, that went into a dark turn but um yeah like i said this was awesome this was just like my favorite segment this made the show just rock for me just seeing Ken Shamrock just being like dude I don't know what you're talking about I don't know who you are just just leave it it's literally like like just talking to a fangirl who thinks like oh well I imagine that we did all these great things together and the guy's just like we never did this I don't know who you are and I'm calling the police so it, it was like one more moment away from Ken Shamrock pulling that on Jerry Lawler be like well, no, he wouldn't have called the police. He would have just locked him in an ankle lock and snapped his ankle, which I'm pretty sure people would have welcomed that. <laughs> I think we actually see that very thing happen to Jerry Lawler. Not long from now, but one of my favorite things, we get advertisements for the Slammies, baby! Woo! <laughs> yes. Owen Wait, now, Hart. Is this, say, is this the Slammies where uh, Mr. McMahon does the stand back song or is this? No, no, no. That's like 1987. Oh man. 10 years too late. <laughs> now nah, I'll bring you on for some, for some old, actually I am bringing you on for some retro stuff. Uh, future shock. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to great America to uh, not great. The bash of the beach 96. I'll see you there, but holy smokes. The slammies. This is the slammies where Owen Hart stole the slammy for best bow tie like i'm a two-time winning slammy award winner bulldog you have two titles but i have two slammies <laughs> that was great Just, i love that if somebody were to do that like the academy awards they probably blackball them but owen hart just made it just so amazingly funny where it's just like okay here are the nominees and then randomly he's just like nobody's gonna notice i'm gonna put the thing in my pocket yeah i win i'm a winner i'm not a nugget Woo! it's like god oh and you're just amazing i love how somebody tried to interject and he was just not having it he's just like nope i got two slammies baby i got two slammies so him and bulldog together just they, they were little poo disturbers, like no, literally poo disturbers. He, if you ever heard the shoot interview with Ahmed Johnson, there was a bit where when Ahmed was new in the company, uh, he, Bulldog and Owen went to his hotel room, took a dump and then turned the heat way up. So it would just waft. <laughs> and, and it's just like, and Ahmed just like, oh, fucking Bulldog. And, oh, Bulldog would be like, it wasn't me. It was Owen. Where's my <laughs> oh my gosh i love 
talking about the pranks that they did. I still think that one of my favorites is the one where he where Owen calls for pizza and the friend's like, oh man, we sure have some food. It's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Call like acts like he's calling the pizza deal. And then like two minutes later, here's the pizza guy. And the friend's like, fuck, did you cook that in your car? <laughs> just just the perfect timing of Owen. And oh my gosh, and Bulldog, geez Louise. Two, two guys that were taken from us way too soon. And they definitely knew how to just make everything entertain. If any, if anything, I think Jericho took like pages out of their books <laughs> to up the entertainment value. Oh, he definitely did. Well, he met Owen on an airplane not long before Owen passed. And it was Jericho was working on his, uh, getting his contract with the WWE. And he was like, he was that close to working with Owen. Like Kurt Angle worked with Owen six days before he died. Just, oh, just what could have been. But uh, yeah, I was going to say, Fritz, let's go from a laughing matter to who somebody who's anything but a laughing matter. Hugh Morris? (laughs) I wish. Um, I was actually talking about the man with one Z instead of two, that being the human suplex city, bitch. Nope, human suplex machine, Taz. (laughs) Oh boy, we got Taz versus Mikey Whipwreck, and I just wrote. Oh RP. no! Right <laughs> in advance, Mikey. Although, hey, Mikey Whipwreck and Tajiri, ECW Tag Team Champions, great run. This version of Mikey was like the ECW One Two Three Kid, except he took even worse bumps and probably also literally broke his neck. I mean, look at the matches he did with the Sandman. But yeah, Taz here is led to the ring by a posse and the whistle blowing, not that kind, Bill Alfonso. Uh, oh, Fonzie, the most Billy, Billy, annoying manager of all time. Uh, just Suplex City. Yeah, that, that was all I wrote here was Suplex City. Uh, Farouk had an interview. This is another interview, another picture-in-picture interview with the WWF guy during an ECW match. And Farouk but, says to Undertaker, who he's facing that night, uh, will feel pain, uh, something, something, something. Uh, Sabu comes to the ring. Jumps off the raw <laughs> stage. Uh, Taz botches an over-the-rope suplex, and it was head-and-arm Tazplex, Taz mission. Boom, boom. Mikey's done. What did you think about this mess? Um, it definitely was very one-sided, but I definitely do see, you know, the appeal that Mikey Whiprack had as just being this one, two, three kid that just gets his ass kicked over and over again. I think Paul Heyman said it best where he said, that he gets his ass kicked, but you kind of feel for the kid. You kind of feel for the fact that this is a guy who is literally giving his heart out, but he's also just getting annihilated. It's like, no, we don't want to see him get killed. And hey, this is a guy who becomes a future ECW champion, shockingly enough. But, it was before that, actually. Uh, oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> he's getting munched on by Taz, but it's Taz. I mean, he was the Tasmaniac before, but now he's doing his best incarnation where he's literally just like, oh, hey, there's a guy, suplex, suplex. I'm going to choke you out. But the guy can't breathe. I don't care. I'm Taz. <laughs> yeah, the Katahama J wraps this up. And Taz here, like, I freaking love Taz. Like, even on commentary on Dark, like him, tr- him, but him trying to sing Ruby Soho by Rancid fills me full of rage because Rancid's one of my favorite bands of all time. So he, he, he butchers that. He butchers friggin' uh, Jungle Boy's whoa theme. 
he's entertaining and at this point in time he was just an entertaining ass kicker and the oh, big God. surprise i thought it was ken Shamrock, but no well well the big surprise was the return of the legion of doom against the headband <sighs> what a rush oh my god God rest both their souls. Ah, oh, devastated. It's really crazy because I didn't even think that, you know, they were going to, I didn't think that they were even part of the company at this point. I was thinking like, oh, it's going to be some random team that I'm just not going to care about. I'm not going to have, you know, two, two, two fucks to give about it. And then I hear the theme music. I'm like, I stand corrected. I want to see what happens here. And I literally just put in my notes, Legion of Doom, Munch. <laughs> and it's true i mean it's a crappy finish but literally the match is just hawk and animal being like who are we fighting headbangers oh they're getting destroyed tonight <laughs> doesn't matter we're just gonna we're, we're we're not gonna kill them but we're gonna make them feel pain it's like yeah no i i get you i get you and they definitely did it's a lot of <laughs> literally like animal just being a guy who could just stand there and Hangbear's like, oh, I got a boat pull. You're on the ground. Why? Because you run into a brick wall. Oh. Can confirm. I met Animal. Uh, he has a brick wall. Just uh, he's he's a he's a he's a big he was a big lad. That one. Yeah. Two guys that were gone too soon as well. Uh, and just speaking of Animal, I, I'm when I met him, I didn't talk a lot about wrestling with him. I talked more about his son who was he was in the nfl for a little bit and he's just like yeah he just retired he's uh like a analyst and we we did you know i wore the pads and we shot the breeze about hawk just a little bit and it was like another a year and a bit later he was gone but what a pop it was a double count out which i didn't understand he got these guys haven't been seen in the wwf in almost five years like the last time we saw the legion of doom was SummerSlam 92 i believe that's in our archives and that's when Hawk was at his worst. Like, what do you remember when the WWE went with the "We're gonna take your real life substance problems and portray it on TV" with Hawk? Oh God, that... he was—he was sober. He, he was clean. He was sober as a judge. He—he he became a Christian around that time, and yikes! But it was just as bad as when they did the same thing. I think with like uh, Jake the Snake. They just exploited those weaknesses that they had. It just sometimes, you know, there are points where, you know, real life drama does make for very interesting television. Like, I mean, love triangle between Matt Edge and Lita. That was something where it's like, maybe there was a little too much, but at the same time, Matt Hardy and Edge just killed it on the screen. And then they decided to bring it back. How are they going to do that? Oh, we're going to make it be uh Rusev, Lana, and Lashley. Oh. Oh, okay. And Liv Morgan. How did that work out? Well, Rusev got released, so we didn't have any plans after that. But you... um, So what happens? Oh, Lana gets divorced by Lashley. Okay, I mean, at least it's something. something. And then Lana's going to get her ass kicked for about, like, 90 weeks. What? good job future planning just yes i'm basically saying that there's a dark side to wwe that we know and they're not 
showing their light here. Anyway, back to ninety-seven. So we have a, we have, yeah, we have reached that point. Yeah, we have a double count out, and then we have. Oh, that's why we were. That's why we were talking about it because bullshit. <laughs> uh, speaking of bullshit, though. HBK's tell me a live music video. Oh, God. this was the schmaltiest, corniest, most uh, capitalizing, force feeding to be a babyface shit, disingenuous that I've ever seen on Monday Night Raw. And that's saying something. I've been watching Raw since the start, but I, I will, say, I will say this that. This three-minute video was more rough to watch than the entire eight years of Roman Reigns being forced down our throats, and that's saying a lot. Oof. Yeah, th- this this of course was during the time when Shawn Michaels lost his smile because he didn't want to work with Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13 and dropped the title to him, allegedly, or he. Yeah, he, he was notoriously difficult to work with at this point in time. He, unfortunately for Sean, he was also on all the drugs. And, you know, God bless him for finding Jesus and for getting his stuff right. But to quote some of the, I have a few books up here on the shelf I'm going to show you a little later, but uh, he was a dick. And he, he was at <laughs> his, he was at his click, clicky, clickiest. You know, if you look at 1995 and all the list of people that the click got fired, <laughs> um, it would put the releases that happened recently to shame and also to light. Now, now on the lighter side of the ring, oh, never mind, it's Tommy Dreamer. I, I also want to say this, that there was actually a point during the show, I think it was even either before or during this matchup, uh, we hear fans chanting, Bischoff sucks, Bischoff sucks, Bischoff sucks. It took me a minute. I'm like, what are they chanting again? And then when I heard it, I'm like, oh, yeah, because this is still the heat of Monday Night Wars. Nice. So fans are just chanting that, and they know why. Um, and then there was like a comment that Jerry Lawler was just like, well, that name shouldn't be on TV. Woohoo! He should be censored. Woohoo! And Vince McMahon's just like, well, I'm open to anything. I'm open to them expressing their opinions. I'm open to them expressing their minds. Obviously, in about 20 plus years, that's all going to change. I'm pretty sure, word for word, that's exactly what he said. Yeah, he said something along those lines in a show that I'm going to be reviewing on another podcast in a couple of weeks. King of the Ring 1995, which infamously had the coronation of Mabel to deafening ECW chance. <laughs> Why Mabel? Because it's good shit. <laughs> oh, I could rebook the heck out of King of the Ring 95. We'll be here for another three hours if we do that. But next, <laughs> speaking of something that won't take three hours, uh, we have Devon Dudley versus <sighs> Tommy, Tommy Dreamer. And April 13th, barely legal which is the pay-per-view that is the focus of the ECW portion of the dark side of the, not the dark side of the ring, beyond the mat. Uh. Yeah, that, that, that is the focus, because this is ECW's first pay-per-view, because their other specials were kind of closed circuit and were not available on 
the wide range of your viewer's choice or your satellite dishes. Um, to to uh, plug a little bit, uh, the Apron Bump podcast, that's where I'm going to be plugging, reviewing King of the Ring 95, pray for me. <laughs> um, he's been doing the early ECW stuff like 95, 96. And again, this was closed circuit, kind of like what WrestleMania 1 was. So this is a big deal for ECW getting on to a bigger platform. They wouldn't get a TV deal for a couple of years, but yeah, the, the less said about the TNN deal, the better, but we Mr. have threats. I request, was, oh was there supposed to be an ECW pay-per-view in 96? I don't know what you're talking about there. Chad. <laughs> it's like, yes, there was supposed to be an ECW pay-per-view in 96. There was. But you can thank Transit and, and New Jack for that. Oh, well, that seems horrible. Oh, New Jack. Oh, boy. Plus, <laughs> yeah, if, it seems like you're plugging Dark Side of the Ring. Yes, we are, because it's a very interesting watch if you see the New Jack shit. And there's a lot. <laughs> so uh, speaking of New Jack, we had weapons and weapons and more weapons. Oh, yeah. This is like the only ECW sh- thing on the entire Raw deal. Oh, my gosh. I forgot we- about that canes bells and whistles and stairs one of those things weren't in this match and paul Heyman says that we're not just wrestling or exciting we're extreme <laughs> you can't get more extreme than seeing Bula mcgillicuddy's booty i mean stairs and stairs sorry sorry and Got the, the, the baseball slide with the stairs and there's a bit here about jerry lawler and the mayor of tennessee no not kane and uh, we hear extremely crappy wrestling. Uh, Devon puts Beulah in harm's way, the classic heel tactic of putting the female manager in danger. See every Macho Man Elizabeth insert heel here match. And then there's a low blow by Beulah and a DDT on the chair by Tommy Dreamer. And Tommy wins. Bubba Ray Dudley comes to the ring here because reasons, Dudley boys. And the Sandman who came to the ring to Man in a Box by Allison Chains, which was Tommy Dreamer's entrance theme. And I thought, okay, you probably didn't have the rights to Metallica. Although if you watch the, was it One Night Stand 05, most of your, like, your licensed stuff is, I think Metallica is actually on the network. I would, I would be surprised. But then again, St. Anger, which I should forget about, because that's the worst Metallica album of all effing time, was the theme to one of the SummerSlams, and no, it's it's really weird because at WrestleMania 27 they had Triple uh, H come out to uh, "For Whom the Bell Tolls," and I thought that was the perfect theme song for that. Now they do like some other random generic crap, and it's just like, no, I just pay Metallica, pay them their dues. They they re- it was a really good theme for this that made no sense to change it up. Although I will say that that was more accepted than uh, Undertaker's There Ain't No Grave. Hey, hey. no disparaging Johnny Cash on my show. No. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair it was enough. suitable. But uh, for an entrance theme, strange. Uh, Paul Heyman and Jerry the King Lawler just get into a scrap here. We see once again the European title tournament for Berlin is plugged for next week. We see a recap for a match last week involving Steve Austin and Brett. Well, there was Steve Austin and Brett's feud because Brett had just won the WWE title at Fatal 4-Way in your house against Vader, Taker, and 
Sid. And Sid, yeah, what was Sid in that? Yeah, yeah, Sid was in that match, and Sid was in this match, and Steve Austin hit Brett with a chair, and my boy Psycho Sid, who I named my cat after at this point in time in my life, won the WWE title and is facing off with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 13. Shamrock is interrupted by Farouk, who is being wrapped to the ring by PG-13 and D'Lo Brown. This was interesting, to say the least. I never thought I would hear the Nation of Domination theme song with words. But um, yeah, no, that was not at all what I was expecting. And there's a part of me that accepted it, and there's a part of me that was just like, I like the old theme song where we didn't have this added stuff deal. But then again, I'm also the guy that thinks that, you know, AJ Styles theme songs in TNA were pretty good and they just got better with every incarnation. Um, Yeah, no, it it was really interesting kind of see that. Just Farouk just walking over to (laughs) Ken Shamrock. And it seemed like he was ready to go. He was just like, damn, man, you're ready to go. Oh, no, this is pre-damn. That's right. This is him being like, Yo, you want to fight? Ken Shepard gets up and he's like, hey, man, it's all cool. We cool. Just walks away like a heel would do. <laughs> yep. And this, because this is 1997, this match breaks out into a schmoz here. Farouk and Taker in the main, this is the main event of the show, by the way. And uh, yeah, PG, <laughs> PG-13 has been wrapping the nation to the ring since Survivor Series 96 from MSG. Uh, JC Ice, Wolfie D. These these two get kids were uh, they were Memphis boys. They were USWA, like former tag team champions in USWA, multi time. And uh, yeah, I I I loved PG thirteen, but I also love that they were kind of like the the Bollywood boys of the Nation of Domination because they always got their heads kicked in, got like the pearl over plunge on the roof of a car, got put through tables. Just they ate all the bumps for the Nation of Domination. And yeah, they're the ones I think that get like put through a table at WrestleMania 13 because uh, speak of the devils, uh, there's a DQ and then the Legion of Doom make the save at the I, at the end. <laughs> I was just waiting for Teddy Long to just come out, just strutting his style, be like, hold on, player, we're going to make this a good old fashioned six man tag. Holla, 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 holla. But it's like, nope, end of show. Oh, I would have taken a tag match. That would have been fine. But no, just end, end of show. Don't forget to watch La Femme Nikita next on the USA Network. <laughs> yeah, he, Vince Extreme. Like, that's like if he was... Pl- that's, um, that's like if WWE was plugging uh, plugging the Chrisleys. Oh, wait, they do. Because every <laughs> commercial break on the USA Network is the Chrisleys. Anyways, Nate, what do you think of this whole show? Was this fun or what? It was a fun show. I think that in all honesty, despite, you know, them being shorter matches, I definitely do enjoy the ECW matches more because of the fact that they definitely knew how to get the audience's attention. Plus, like we meant, it's in New York City and New York City loves violence. They loved ECW and they also love Paul Heyman, who said it best where it's like, has WWE sucked since ECW came around or what? Just literally calling them out middle of the show. Loved it. Um, yeah, I, I will say this, that other than some of the screwy finishes that we had for a couple of those matches, everything was fun. 
I do give, you know, a lot of grief to Sonny and Marlena, but they still went out there and they did something. It wasn't just like a hot bikini modeling kind of deal. It was them just being like, we're going to get physical. It's like, okay, that's, that's kind of nice. Um, yeah, we got Legion of Doom coming back. Jeez, uh, Louise. Every single, so many, te- so many people got munched at this show. This, this was Monday Night Munch. That was what this show could have been called for this episode. Except not Robert Munch, but uh, that that's that's a that's a totally different thing. Uh, shout out to Robert Munch, my favorite my favorite kids author. <laughs> so Nate, uh, for those of you who for those of you who listen to Russell Ready who don't know who Nate is and what he does and where he's been, uh, Nate, plug your stuff, bro. So I do my own podcast where I talk about wrestling, pop culture just about anything that comes to mind. I even do like fantasy rebookings. I'm even considering doing some movie rebookings and rewrites in the future. So to get to that, it's on the Games Changer podcast. A lot of people can definitely find it. Main channel is going to be on Spreaker, but every other channel that you can imagine, uh, any kind of podcasting format, you know, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes, just everywhere in between you can definitely find that but a lot of people also like to listen to it on youtube which is the game changer podcast network where you can check that out there Um, i'm also a part of a wrestling show in rockford known as the wrestling show it was usually used to be called the youtube wrestling show then youtube had to be a couple of dicks so it's now just the wrestling show i am their current galactic champion right now uh, there's a lot of great things that are coming on right now. The season of greatness started not too long ago. Uh, second episode is actually going to be coming up before the month ends because we're kind of doing like a bi-weekly kind of deal for these episodes. So thankfully, that's going to be awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing you know everybody at the next live show. We're still working on that right now. Uh, but if you want to interact with me on Twitter, it's at RealFN game the fn is actually capitalized as well as the r and the g <laughs> f f r f f and g why am i thinking about that right now uh but that's also my handle on instagram as well where you can definitely check that out i also have an instagram for my character uh real fn game tws which i've been doing a lot more of the promo work and such like that um other than that uh got a teespring store where you can go to change your podcast merch and definitely check that stuff out i'm still working on a couple of new things i know i've been i've been saying a lot of things i've been saying a lot of things where it's like oh i got this coming up this coming up and i never follow through with it i need to really start following through before the year's over um yeah no that's that's all that's all i can plug right now <laughs> all right yes be sure to check out nate on that wrestling show my current favorite heel in the business uh but I got to plug his. He, he, I'm a major dick when it comes to this show. Oh, uh, he, he yeah, so good. I didn't, I didn't know that side was that side was in you, Nate. But yeah, that that, that has some good shit there, pal. Um, check check out his his YouTube. Like most of his podcasts do go on on YouTube, folks. And um, he's got one where he promises the greatest interview of all time. I'm not going to spoil who or what it is, but it's the best thing I think I've heard on wrestling podcasting this entire year. So yes, be sure to follow all of us on wrestle addict radio at addict underscore wrestle on Twitter, wrestle addict radio on Instagram. Listen to the Kings of the rings podcast. Uh, 
good, our, our good brother, Zach, has just recently done a return show from the Young Lions perspective, so be sure to listen to Mr. YLP himself. Mance, although he is uh, not podcasting with us right now, his back catalog is still on the Wrestle Attic radio feed, so why not go back and listen to some of the Delight Show? You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Yes, I even have TikTok at Fretzelmania. F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. I did my plugs at the end of the show this time. I usually start with them, but hey, it's because I had a special guest who I want to have on another time. And uh, when I have my new angle that I'm starting, kind of a new angle that I'm starting will be in between the two ones I'm going to be getting into. Nate, you want to come back on for uh, Bash at the Beach 96, the NWO formation? I think that would be a fun time. That'd be a kick-ass time, actually. Yeah, that would be. Uh, that wouldn't be until the new year because I have another show for December, and then I'll, I'll take a couple of weeks off for the holidays, and we'll we'll talk in the new year. So, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Be sure to listen to Russell Attic Radio. Follow us on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Russell Attic Radio. Five bucks a month, you get a group chat with all of us great folks. You get fifteen uh, percent off of our merch on Spring. All of our links are going to be in the description below. And uh, we'll see you next time, folks. Have a good one.